The Beef and Dairy Network podcast is sponsored by Bove Shield Plunge, the new antimicrobial cattle dip from Mitchell's. If it's not Mitchell's, get back in the truck. Bove Shield Plunge is made using only the most caustic chemicals from our supplier's factory in Romania and is proven to destroy 99% of all living things under one meter long. For 10% off your next delivery of 1,000 gallons or more, use the code I'm burning, I'm burning. Hello, and welcome to the Beef and Dairy Network podcast, the number one podcast for those involved, or just interested, in the production of beef animals and dairy herds. The Beef and Dairy Network podcast is the podcast companion to the Beef and Dairy Network website and printed magazine, brought to you by Bovshield Plunge. Coming up later, we have the beef forecast and the milk prices. But first, an interview with US hamburger entrepreneur Roy Gluck Jr. Roy is the CEO of Burgers Barrel, a Kansas-based fast food restaurant which has, this year, run into problems opening its first overseas branch here in the UK. Earlier this week, I spoke to Roy down the line from Kansas City. Hello, I'm Roy Gluck Jr. I'm the CEO of Burgers Barrel, and we are headquartered in Kansas City, Kansas, right here in the middle of the USA. Beautiful town. Hi, Roy. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. And uh, many of our listeners, certainly outside of the USA, may not know exactly what Burgers Barrel is and may not have heard of you before. So maybe you can just uh, give us a bit of background. Absolutely. More than happy to. We are a, uh, a hamburgers restaurant of the fast food nature. And we've been in business now since the early 30s. Uh, business was started by my grandpa, also named Roy, really just out of the kitchen of his one-bedroom shack, you'd have to call it, on the Missouri River. And we have now expanded, and we are, I believe now we are the number eight hamburger chain in the Midwest of the United States. Now, where did the name Burger's Barrel come from? I, I believe it came from your, your grandfather, uh, Roy. That's right. It's a, it's a funny story, and we're always happy to tell it. So down there on the Missouri River in the 30s, during the Great Depression, they were building a bridge over there. It's now come to be called the Amelia Earhart Bridge, and there was uh, fellows working on that bridge all the time. And my grandpa, also named Roy, uh, lived just up the river, and he thought, you know, I bet you I could make a dollar or two selling food lunchtime to these hungry fellows. And so he cooked up a whole bunch of hamburgers, and the best way to get them down there was to stack them up in a giant barrel and roll that barrel down there to where those guys were working on that And that's just what he did. And it became known as a burger's barrel. Can you believe that? <laughs> Prices have gone up a bit now, I'll, I'll tell you that. But that's how it all started. The newspapers over here in the UK have begun to report about your restaurant. Yeah. Because I believe that you are proposing to expand into the British market. You put in your application for the first British Burgers Barrel. We did. Uh, which was going to be in central London. And that was yep. turned down for a number of reasons. Now, uh, I guess, a, a, you know, a burger restaurant getting its permit turned down doesn't normally make the news. Mm. But some of the reasons why it was closed down were so extraordinary, I think, that that the newspapers couldn't help but but publish. And you've come under quite a lot of criticism. Maybe you can uh, I can put some of their their accusations to you and you could and you could let me know what you think about them. I I'd be more than happy to. I I hope that you will because it's a lot of misunderstandings and we we can clear them up right here. The the first one which I think was the the thing that most of the papers sort of led with. Yeah. The Guardian went, went to Kansas and they DNA tested a single Burgers Barrel burger mm-hmm. uh, which was the Burgers Barrel Classic Deluxe. Oh, that's a good one. And they found out that as well as containing beef, mm-hmm. 
it also contained the flesh of 11 other animals. Yeah. I've got the list here. That it was published. It makes a pretty interesting reading. It's got um, horse meat, mm-hmm. uh, weasels. Yep. A sparrow. That's right. Uh, squid meat. Yep. A giraffe. Yep. A lizard, a peregrine falcon, a house spider, a crab, a crayfish, and a snow leopard. That's exactly right. And that was all in, in, in one burger. Now, how did that happen? And, and why and how is that acceptable? Well, our burgers, and we're very proud of it, have a total of 12 different meats, and, uh, you know, including beef. And all the ones that you mentioned there, you know, you know, down here, I don't know if you have KFC. It used to be called Kentucky Fried Chicken. I guess they're uh, embarrassed to be from Kentucky. But they uh, advertise, you know, 11 herbs and spices, and everybody gets all excited about it. And we're sort of doing the same thing. We're advertising 12 different meats in every single Burger's Barrel burger. And it's had people real excited here. But you're asking how we started doing that. Funny enough, like all the great innovations of the world, it happened quite by accident. We've got a a meat distributor. It's called uh, No Teeth Beef. And they also, in addition to processing high-quality beef for restaurants— also process dog food. And when you're in the dog food business, that's not going to be one source. You know what I mean? That's that. That's going to get to be sort of a catch-all, and it's, it's whatever's around. Well, we one day got a shipment of beef from them. We made it into hamburgers, and people went bananas, more so than ever before. Regular customers coming up to us saying, this is the best hamburger you've ever served me. The people were so excited. I got right on the phone to our beef distributor. I said, what did you do differently this time? Because people are so excited. And I'll never forget that call because he was so apologetic. And he said, you know what? We accidentally sent you, in addition to some of the beef, we sent you a fair amount of what we're processing as dog food. And and he said, and it could have been anything. And I said, well, you find out exactly what it was today. And the, the list you just read off is the list he read me. And I said, send us that from now on. And it hadn't been easy because they just happened to, there was a zoo where a giraffe had passed and they sent him over to the dog food processing factory. And that was just, it's, they don't always have giraffe. They don't always have a lot of these things. But they happen to have it that time. And it was such a success that we have demanded it every single time. And it's not easy to source all those different animals. Well, no, I was, I was going to say the, the snow leopard. Very thing. difficult. Well, it's one of the most endangered animals on the planet. Yeah. I think that's true, but, well, I want to make it clear that we're not, it's not that we're going into the wild and hunting down snow leopards. These are farm-raised snow leopards, and we raise them up from puppies, and we've got just a giant farm out there in in the Nevada desert. I I think they probably prefer to be in a colder climate, truth be told, but they're just gamboling around this desert enclosure and very happy until the day that they are slaughtered for our food. And if our distributor is having a hard time laying his hands on something, we'll we'll actually go over to the UK. We've got a wonderful guy over there by the name of Eli Roberts, and he will slaughter absolutely anything. So if we say to him, "Hey, we can't lay our hands on any giraffes right now," he'll he'll be more than happy to do it. Anything you can name, he'll slaughter it for you. And so we've used him a fair amount of the time. And how is he managing to source those giraffes? You know, he's he's based in the UK here. If you say to him, "Hey, we need a certain you know tonnage of," Of giraffe meat. How is he able to get his hands on that? Do you know? Uh, I I don't know. He has referenced a few times the dark web, which I don't even know what that is. But he, from time to time, I'll get an email from him, and he'll say, I, you know, yeah, there's plenty of giraffes on the dark web, uh, and uh, that's where he finds them. On, on top of the 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 twelve kinds of flesh that the the Guardian DNA test found, mm-hmm. one of the things that I've learned subsequently, and actually hasn't been published yet in the in the paper, but mm-hmm. is something that I believe probably will come out. 
yep. is that they found DNA from a, a meat that they couldn't actually identify. <sighs> wow. Where'd you find that out? Well, I was talking to one of the journalists who's been involved in the investigation, and mm-hmm. um, we were we were drinking um, mead. Oh. And after the, probably the, his 16th or 17th mead, uh-huh. he, he, he whispered in my ear and he said, there's something actually quite disturbing going on, and said... The guys at the the DNA testing center said that it's basically impossible for them not to be able to identify mm-hmm. the 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 animal from which the flesh comes from. Yep. Well, listen, I'd be a fool to to comment very explicitly and in detail about that for numerous reasons. Mostly that I don't want people copying our recipe. You know, like any restaurant, we have explored the possibilities of of food science and and biotechnology, and that's that's all I really want to say about it. Any suggestion that uh, the source of this meat has the intelligence of man uh, w- would be uh, scandalous and and libelous and uh, slanderous, and and I wouldn't even respond to that. Is is there not a chance that this this substance is the rumored fifth meat? <laughs> you know, I was afraid you were going to ask me that, and uh, I I'm offended by the question, quite frankly, and it's absurd. Uh, in no way at all are we messing around with anything that anybody would ever characterize as as the fifth meat. And I know you like to talk about this on your show, and I think it's ridiculous. And the answer is no, categorically no. Uh, there, there. As far as I'm concerned, there is no fifth meat. More from that interview after the beef forecast. High pressure beef in the north giving way to a band of tender, thinly sliced beef in the south. Anyone caught between those two systems needs to be ready for a beef fog and potentially cold beef hail on higher ground. Big chunks of beef batter western regions and you could be waking up to a beef frost in the highlands and islands. And the milk prices. Full fat rallied hard this week and is now up to nine. Skimmed and semi-skimmed are stable with fermented yoghurts dropping off. And over on the US cheese index, the cream cheese is creamy and the hard cheese is dreamy. Now back to our big interview with Roy Gluck Jr. I asked Roy about the problems he's having with the British authorities. Yeah, there have been a number of stumbling blocks, to be honest with you, and we're just trying to get to the point where we see eye to eye and are speaking the same language, if you will, Uh, and I'm confident that we will get there. But one of the things that I'm trying to get going right now, there was an incident, probably the most famous incident in the history of beef in England, I'm, I'm guessing, and you might have to remind me of some of the the details of this, but I believe you had a minister of food down there some years ago, back when all this mad cow business was going on and all that nonsense. We all know that virus never existed. There was never any such thing as a mad cow disease. That was all a, a, an illusion that uh, Big Lamb came up with. Big Lamb came up with that to discredit beef, and, and people fell for it, and that's a shame. But anyway, at that time, your minister of food was really standing up for beef, and he fed his young daughter a hamburger in front of the television cameras and she just enjoyed it and had a wonderful time eating that hamburger and uh it sent a real powerful message to people come on now you can eat this it's just fine and so that's why i met with your minister of food recently there in england to try and tell him you know it'd be real great i don't even know if he has a daughter but any child he could find would be fine i said if you could feed a child one of our hamburgers a burger's barrel burger in front of the television cameras, it sent a powerful message to the people of England, and I, I, I think he's going to do it. I mean, he was a little skeptical, but I left there, you know, and I may have, you know, I came in there with a bag of cash, and I can't find it now. <laughs> Let's put it that way. I shouldn't say that. <laughs> well, you'll cut that out. So specifically, what are the problems that the, the British authorities have with Burgers Barrel? Well, I was handed a list 
of reasons that they don't want to approve my application to open a restaurant in London that is a list of all of the things about our business and our burgers that I am proud of. So that's what I say when I would say we're not seeing eye to eye because uh, everything he said to me, you, you can't come here because of this, was all the things that, that make the business work. And I know we're going to iron it out, but it's just we're in a bad spot right now. Was, it, was there any mention of your employment practices? Yes, quite a bit. Indeed. You face a lot of criticism for this. And again, there were allusions to it in, in the newspapers. But I wonder if you can just clarify for our listeners. A, a high percentage of your staff, according to reports, are paid in meat. Yeah. How does that work? Well, how does it work? It's simple. They take they take meat home. And, we, you know, we've got a formula for determining you worked X number of hours and that, that equals Y amount of meat. Uh, take that home instead of money. What else are you going to spend your money on? Meat. Well, can, right? I, can, I, can I put a scenario to you? Yeah. Um, so imagine one of your workers is working hard in one of your restaurants and they would like to buy a house for their family. And they go to the, to the real estate agent and they say, I'd like to buy this house. And they say, sure, that will cost $200,000. And they say, sorry, I haven't, I haven't got that, but I have got these barrels of meat. Now, what do you think would happen in that situation? Because I think I know what would happen. Well, I'm not a banker, okay? I'll tell you right now. That's not my business. I don't know if somebody comes to me with a barrel of some of the best hamburger meat in the world and says, I want to buy a house with this, what the banker would say. I'm not claiming to be a banker. In my opinion, that banker would be very lucky to receive that meat. You know, there is such a thing as commodities trading out there, and that's a commodity. And I don't know what, what a, a good banker could get for that on the open market. So... I, I, the answer to your question is I have no idea, and I don't think you do either. But more to the point, it, these folks, you know, m- more than trying to trade away the meat for other goods and houses and whatnot, they get to they get to eat it and take some pride when they're eating it, and that this is the product that they're putting out there in the world, and they eat it. And I think it's wonderful. And they're lucky they get paid at all. Did you just say that? You, the, your staff are lucky they get paid at all? Absolutely. You kidding me? Some of these folks, they don't do such great work. And, uh, you know, and we don't always. They, yeah, listen, if you haven't met our standards uh, of professionalism, you know, in a given shift, you might not go home with meat or anything else. I mean, that's, you know, that's standard employment just in terms of making sure people are working at their best. But you, as the as the CEO of the company... When you give yourself a dividend from the company or you, you pay yourself, yep. are you paying yourself in meat? <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, I, listen, I take home plenty of meat. You bet I do. And I, mo- most, most of my meals are burgers barrel meals. I'm more than happy to eat it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But uh, no, no, I mean, listen, I take some money. But, you know, I mean, I'm the third generation CEO of this business. I better be taking some money home. <laughs> That's a silly question. Okay, well, we'll move on from your employment practices to to the last thing I think that came up in the reports, which was uh, the criticism of your business from the point of view of, of public health. I mean, I think something that seems to encapsulate that point of view, I think, is that your company logo is a picture of a man who is so obese that he has eschewed the wearing of clothes altogether and is instead wearing a barrel. Now... What what message do you think that sends to your customers and to, to the public at large? Yeah, you're talking. That's Fat Bob, and uh, sometimes known as Fat Barrel Bob. And uh, what message is he does, a good role it, model for children? For example, do, do you do you think children should grow up thinking one day I might be so obese that I'm going to have to wear a wooden barrel? 
Well, that's just reality. I mean, I don't know. I've yeah, I don't know if you have the same amount of obesity over there in England that we that we are proud to have here in America. Uh, but sure, people get big out here, and uh, and it it happens. You know, you see people who can no longer shop in the stores for clothes. That's just a reality. And and you know, maybe you're going to get fat on cakes and treats and baked goods and cream puffs. But I, what we're saying is. Hey, get fat on this instead. So you're, you're saying that, that that Fat Bob, the character on your logo, he's just a, a reflection of actually what's happening on the ground around you in Kansas. Yes. If I came over there, would I be? Would I see people wearing barrels? It depends where you where you went. If you went into some of the more rural areas, I believe you would see some people wearing barrels. You know, it's not that uncommon. It's not, I'm not saying it's the height of fashion. I'm not saying people go to work dressed like that very often. Certainly, if you were to go to the Appalachian Mountains. You'd see uh, every third person is is wearing a barrel, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think I, he's a lot of fun. Uh, kids really do enjoy him, and uh, I think a lot of kids think I'd love to grow up because it's liberating to wear only a barrel. You don't have to get all caught up in what the latest styles are and fashions are and all that business. It's just it's a barrel. That's all it is. It's a beautiful oaken barrel. Put it on. Get on with your life. More after this. What if hiring could be easier, more streamlined and less time-consuming, so even when you're busy, you could still be smart about the way you hire? With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards with just one click. Then ZipRecruiter actively notifies qualified candidates about your job within minutes of posting, so you receive the best possible matches. No wonder 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. And right now, Network members can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash beef. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash beef. Slash beef. Slash beef. In a world where beef is banned, only one man can stand up to the state. Oh my God, somebody help me. They've taken my meat. Did somebody order beef? Oh my God, who are you? I'm Slash Beef. Slash Beef? That's right. It's me, Slash Beef. Slash me? That's right. Slash me? I'm Slash Beef. Slash me? Slash Beef. That's right, Slash Beef. ZipRecruiter.com slash beef. Okay. Your recent television advert, you've got a whole new campaign going on at the moment in, in the States. Yeah. I was sent a copy of it. It's a video, the one I saw anyway, was a video that shows a man who is experiencing a cardiac arrest. Yeah. And then an ambulance arrives and the, the paramedics get out of the ambulance to attend to him. And he waves them away and starts shouting at them and says that they, sh- they should leave him alone until he's finished his family barrel meal. Yeah. Isn't that great? I love it. I mean, it certainly, it certainly sends a message. It, yeah, it sure does. It says, I, this family barrel meal is so great that I would rather eat this than anything else, including saving my life. And I think it's a very powerful message, and I, I just love it. When the ad agency pitched that to me, I mean, they, they had pitched a whole bunch of other ideas of just like, you know, all kinds of boring things that wouldn't have had the impact of people just enjoying their meal in the restaurant and having a picnic and bringing it home and kids cheering. For, you know, and I just said, I want an ad that makes clear the importance of our food in the priorities of people's lives. And they came to me with this, and I said, that's the one right there. That's the one. I have to say that when I watched it, I found it quite haunting. Oh, great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
because it's it's clear to me at least that there's a sense in the advert that that man is going to die. Yeah, I think so. I, but listen, there's also a sense, and I don't think you can argue with this, that he's going to finish that meal before he dies, right? I mean, the way he's going at it. And he's a man who knows that he's on limited time. And he's got to eat that fast because his heart is giving out on him. His blood is not being oxidized. He doesn't have long. And so he's really going at that meal. And, and but isn't, there, isn't there an argument to say that in, in that situation, mm-hmm. even if you did want to finish the family barrel meal, you could let the paramedics attend to you, maybe restart your heart, giving you more time to enjoy family barrel meals in the future? But the point of the point of it is that that would be an interruption in your enjoyment of it. He's enjoying it right now. What am I going to wait a half an hour while they put the paddles to me or, or heaven forbid, put me in the ambulance and bring me all the way to the hospital? And, you know, when am I going to get back to this meal? The point He's enjoying it now. Now I want it now. We're looking for a sense of urgency to, to really communicate to our customers. Go, go now. Go get it now. Go eat it as fast as you can because you're dying. You know what I mean? That's the message. Do you not think it's also slightly at odds with the fact that you've recently opened a number of Burgers Barrel branches in hospitals? We sure have. Yeah, we've contracted with some of the largest uh, hospital chains in in the United States to get our our Burgers Barrel. And that's all integrated. That's all. This is not a coincidence. This ad and the restaurants in the hospitals, it's all of a piece. We're trying to, you know, we're really getting to people's lizard brains and say, you are running out of time. There's not a lot of time left for you to enjoy these meals. You know, hurry down here, pull you, pull the IV out and get in the elevator and get yourself down to the lobby and get yourself a Burgers Barrel family meal. So that's the extent of of the criticisms against uh, against Burgers Barrel. Is that um, all? <laughs> I mean, that's you know what I mean. We're really being pilloried by your your newspapers over there. And one day, when when everybody in England is eating at Burgers Barrel restaurants, you'll look back on this time as as very silly with all these concerns. You seem very confident that you are going to be opening Burgers Barrel restaurants in the UK, but there's no suggestion from the authorities that they're going to let you do this. Well, sure. That that's a negotiating position, right? I mean, you recognize that. You, you say absolutely not. You, you know, but it's all theatrics, drawing a line in the sand and all that. And so it's just, you know, they want certain concessions out of us and, you know, we want certain concessions out. But we'll we'll figure it out. I am very confident. So are you willing to make any concessions to the British government? Well, I'm I'm yeah, I'm willing to part with a certain amount of money. I'm not going to tell you what it is right now, but I'm I have a a number in mind of uh cash outlays that I'm willing to uh, misplace on people's desks. <laughs> Again, I should, you'll cut that out. But, uh, I mean, I've been doing that. I've been leaving just bags of cash all around, uh, you know, uh, members of Parliament's office and various uh, ministries and whatnot. And in addition to cash, I've also been, I've been traveling to England with full barrels of hamburger meat. And I've been leaving them places and saying to people, you know, listen, cook this up at your next barbecue and you tell me it isn't great. So uh, if you see any barrels of meat around your parliament building, you'll know where they came from. Uh, but as far as concessions in terms of what what uh, what we're serving and how we're employing people, now you're talking about changing the the nature and the character of a treasured American business, and I don't I don't think we're going to do that. A big thanks to Roy Gluck Jr. for that enlightening interview. Since we spoke, the situation with Roy and the British authorities has developed somewhat after an incident where Roy left a barrel of burger meat outside the Houses of Parliament, which led to a security alert and a controlled explosion, which sent superheated burger meat flying through the air, burning the faces of a busload of Spanish schoolchildren. 
Roy has subsequently been banned from travelling to the UK for a period of 20 years. But at least you tried, Roy. At least you tried. So, while it may not be possible to eat a burger's barrel meal here in the UK in the foreseeable future, if you are ever in the American Midwest, Roy has extended the following offer to network members. Buy a family barrel meal and get a free Safari Special Burger. That's the Burger's Barrel Safari Special Burger. Get ready for the big game. Also, you will have heard during that interview that every Burger's Barrel Burger contains 12 meats, which may have puzzled some of you. Of course, as we all know, there are only four meats. Beef, lamb, pork and chicken. The 11 meats he referred to using their colloquial names are actually all variants of the four meats. To clear up any confusion, we've made this helpful guide for you. Horse. Ride on beef. Weasel. Small long pork meat. Sparrow. Mini chicken. Giraffe. Long necked savannah beef. Lizard. Scaled pork. Peregrine falcon. Sleek speed chicken. House spider. Eight legged micro beef. Snow leopard. Himalayan fanged pork. There are also three meats present in the burgers which classify as fish, crab, crayfish and squid meat. However, modern science is beginning to be able to map fish onto the four meat taxonomy. It's an inexact science at the moment, but we can be fairly confident in saying squid meat can be considered a beef, crayfish a chicken and crab is a type of lamb. So, that's all we've got time for this month. But if you're after more beef and dairy news, get over to our website now, where you can read all the usual stuff, as well as our off-topic section, where this month we see how long Bill Gates can play squash against himself. What will happen first? Will he collapse from exhaustion or go mad? Get over to the website to find out. So, until next time, beef out. Thanks to Andy Daly. Also, if you have a friend who you think might make a good network member, why not send them a link to this episode? Hello, I'm Kerry Poppy. And I'm Ross Blotcher, hosts of MaximumFun.org's Ono, Ross and Kerry. We wanted to tell you the good news that our podcast is now weekly. Yeah, weekly. On Ono, Ross and Kerry, we don't make extraordinary claims. We investigate them. We go undercover with fringe religious groups, investigate paranormal claims, and participate in pseudoscientific medical treatments and report our findings to you. In a time where alternative facts reign supreme, we cut through the murky spin to give you the real deal on topics like UFOs, the anti-vaccination, movement, Scientology, and even apocalyptic churches. We're even undercover for some very exciting investigations right now. Well, not right now, right now. Yeah, that would be unwise. That's Ono, Ross, and Carrie at MaximumFun.org. We show up so you don't have to. Are stacks of unread books taking over your apartment? Do you constantly miss your train stop because you're caught up in reading? I'm Bria Grant. And I'm Mallory O'Mara. We party hard. And by party hard, we mean read books. So join us every Thursday on Reading Glasses, a maximum fun podcast about reading and book culture. Get more out of your reading life. We'll help you conquer your to-be-read pile. Get out of that book slump. And squeeze more reading time into your busy day. Learn Learn how to read better. better. Wow, that was good. (laughs) MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.